This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hi, it's Kate, and this is the How to Be a Better Person podcast, where we're talking about how to keep the best of the quarantine, acknowledging what's gone well so we can keep it up in the after, whatever that looks like. Today's big idea is that, like it or not, one thing that the pandemic is doing is giving us the opportunity to build resilience. And one particular population that's really being forced to build their resilience is kids. Think about it. Their whole world has changed. Everybody's whole world has changed, but kids don't have a lot of perspective on how things change and then they come back into some semblance of normal. Things are just different now. And it's easy to say like, oh, kids are resilient. They'll get through this. But how we talk to them and treat them has a ton to do with how well they weather tough times. I think collectively as parents, our challenge is to steal ourselves and help our kids find their way through without excessively worrying about or feeling sorry for them. That's why today I'm interviewing Emma Johnson, founder of WealthySingleMommy.com and an activist for equally shared parenting, about how to foster resilience in our kids as their world is completely changed. Emma's also the author of The Kick-Ass Single Mom, and she's got an incredible story of her own, of how her husband suffered a traumatic brain injury when her two kids were babies. He survived, but their marriage didn't. She suddenly became a single mom and realized that a lot of the ideas we have about single mothers were, frankly, BS, and that women are fully capable of earning their own living and raising great kids, despite the fact that they're not married. I'm not a single mom, but I follow everything Emma puts out because it's so no-nonsense and empowering, and she always gets me thinking about things differently, and she makes me laugh too, which is just a magical combo. So Emma, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm really excited to have you. This is so great. I mean, we are, we've known each other for years. We've been friends. You've slept on my couch in Queens, but we don't talk that often. So I'm thrilled to reconnect. Yeah. I'm I'm killing two birds with one stone. (laughs) So resilience is something you teach women in your books and you live it too. So before we dive in, can you talk about just what resilience means for you? Uh, I think what I like to embrace and hopefully model for my kids, if not lecture and shove down their throats, is that your discomfort, our discomfort, my discomfort does not make me special. It is an inherent part of the human experience and find ways, maybe not in the exact moment, but in the larger context of the challenge to find some moments of grace and perspective and use it to propel us forward. I love it. Now, that sounds like something that's like, you can tell maybe that you did it in hindsight, and maybe you have small glimpses of it as you're going through something. But I also know that as you're going through the thing that's building the resilience, we're often really not excited about this idea of building resilience, right? We're kind of maybe feeling sorry for ourselves. Or Or suffering. I mean, there may be real deep suffering happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my daughter who's 12 years old and 
it's already a socially awkward time and she's in her room. Like it's, it's all I can do to get her out of there. And, you know, sometimes my heart is really just breaking for her. And I have to remind myself that like, this is how she builds resilience, even though I can't necessarily see how it's going to play out. I have to trust that this is like teaching her something that she exactly needs. So my question to you is sort of, how do we reframe our fears? Like, how do we pull ourselves out of that moment of being like, oh my God, my poor kid, this is, <laughs> she's special in how much she's suffering, like you were talking about. And how do we remind ourselves that this is an opportunity? Because I think that we lose sight of that to build resilience. Well, I mean, it's, what are, what, how are our children really suffering right now? I mean, and that's going to vary by family. I mean, but I think right now what's hard is that we expected their experiences, we, and, and they too, but experience, expected their experiences to be one thing and other experiences are another. We expected them to go to school and for rich, white, privileged people like you and me, that was probably a really good school where they, you know, they had this, this trajectory of life that was just a given. That was very similar to the trajectories that we had as, as children growing up and maybe one generation before. So I always think that history is a really great reference point um, in terms of the root of the pain. So if the root of our our pain as parents, as most parents are loving parents, is that oh, our kids are missing out. They're missing out on school. They're missing out on classwork. They're missing out on time with their friends. Well, what are they missing out on? They're missing out on a social paradigm that's just really a couple generations old, right? Right. Now they're missing out on friendships. Now that is not a couple generations old. That is a inherent, that is the essence of the human experience and the root of all joy, one could argue, and meaningful connection. So there, maybe, maybe it's really putting things into perspective. What is really the source of suffering, right? Okay, they're falling behind on schoolwork, but are they really falling behind if everyone in the whole world is behind, right? right. So, right. So it's like the, the, the scale is just going to be shifted down by six months or a year, perhaps, right? So there is a beauty in the fact this is global. It is not specific. So much human suffering is uh, very heavily influenced by the shame, right? So mm. you go through the end of a relationship and there's shame that you couldn't make it work. Or mm. you lose a loved one that's lonesome you don't feel connected to others or somehow you feel ashamed because you're not getting over it fast enough. You have some shortcomings financially or professionally. It's a lot of shame, but whereas this coronavirus shutdown is global and we are all struggling through the health fairs, the isolation traumas, what will be economic fallout. This is global. And while there's a lot of political influences to blame, it is just a plague. Plagues have plagued us since the dawn of time. So it's, it's, there's a lot of the shame falls away and it's really, I think a lot of opportunity to connect to the fact that struggle is universal and timeless and people historically get over it. People, people's cultures and societies have prevailed. Individuals have prevailed and just to constantly be reminding ourselves of this. Incidentally, my son, he's 10, he happens to be very interested in World War II. Mm-hmm. And I happened to read um, All the Light You Can't Cannot See. Uh, it was like the Pulitzer oh. couple of novel. Um, and, and just, it's like that, you know, the globe or the Western world most, it, you know, was in this trauma. Of, and that was a man made war and the, the destruction was just untold. And people got through that, you know, and they made sacrifice, they chose to make sacrifices. 
right? And there are consequences. That's a big difference. I like to talk to my kids about, you know, it's like, we can, we can get over not having a haircut. We can get over not going to the store or whatever. You know, then there were blackouts in Europe. And if you didn't comply, your ass went to jail. And it didn't matter if you had kids. You just went to jail and you, no one saw you again, ever, ever. And that was the collective social contract. Like, we are all in this war together. Right. For better or worse, that's what it was. They had a single goal. What is our goal here? It's like, oh, well, I miss my boyfriend. So I'm going to have a booty call. Like, <laughs> right. So it helps to give ourselves, to remind ourselves of like a historical perspective and then share that with our kids. Depending on how old they are, they may or may not have a basis for that, but like they understand it if you can. There's a video. Whatever you're trying to tell them, there's a video for it. <laughs> as someone Google. who is like working with my kids as a as they distance learn and they're asking me questions about math and we go look up the stuff on YouTube, I can assure you that yes, there is a video. You're absolutely right. When we were chatting before we got started today, you were talking about, you and I always worked from home and now we're trying to find a way to get our work done as we're together alone. I mean, together at home all day long. And you were mentioning that your son would come in and ask a question maybe at the beginning of quarantine and you had to kind of do some directing, redirecting to him and tell him like, Hey, hun, I have got to get some work done. So can you please save your questions? We'll talk about them at the end of the day. Like we, I would love to know some practical stuff for how we can, you know, things that we can be asking our kids to do that if we see them through the lens of helping build their resilience, maybe we'll be more inspired to do them. You know, like if, if we're feeling bad, like, Oh, I feel so bad for my kid. They can't go to school. They miss their friends. And so I need to be very attentive to them. Right. We could be shooting ourselves in the foot because then we're not actually taking this amazing opportunity for them to build resilience because we haven't like just told ourselves, actually, it's better if I just tell them to wait, hold their questions for the end of the day. They can make up whatever they didn't know in school because they didn't have that answer in that moment tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like it's fine. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. What kinds of practical stuff are you doing? Yeah. Well, so like one of my kids is older, but also different personality. And she's very independent and I can trust her to get her stuff done. My other child is not. So it's like building up the trust. Like we started off and I would give him a list of schoolwork to do all day and he wouldn't get done. He just wasn't ready for it, you know? And he resents sitting down at the dining table every day, all day with me breathing down his neck. But it's like he has, he can earn independence, which is like, isn't that what parenting is all about? Right. So so it's, you know, working up on that and yeah, like, I love it. Like people are make, like teaching their kids like practical life stuff. Like how do you change the oil in the car and how do you change the tire on your bike? Just stuff they should know how to do. I know your, te- your kids are taking upon themselves to cook. Mm-hmm. They've been inspired yeah. by TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. Yeah, right. Like embrace the technology. But the independence too, I'm like, all right, just get out of here. Like go, you're, I'm kicking you out of the house for an hour. I don't care what you do. It's a beautiful day. Just go get lost. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. They should. It's like they're kids. There's not that many places in the world in this country that are that dangerous where they can't go outside. And that's not my opinion. That's a fact. So here it is. Springtime. Get out of here. Get on my face. <laughs> get a sibling. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't, you know, I've tried that with my kids and they're like, no, I don't want to stop telling me what to do. They don't have a choice, but why are we giving a kid a choice? You're not talking to me. <laughs> As we're talking, that's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So like, but also the other thing is, but I am, and I, this is easier than done, but like getting them to think about other people. 
them like, you know, talk about checking in on their grandparents. I talk about that with the masks. Like they don't want to wear their masks. I'm like, well, we're not doing it for us. You know, my, my son's like, there's holes on either side of my nose and things can get in. And I'm like, hun, the mask is not for us. The mask is not for us. The mask is for other people. We're like doing this because we want to protect other people. And also we just want to like the governor said, we need to do it. And if you, you're supposed to leave your house with a mask and if we wear our house with a, if we leave our house with a mask, we're essentially saying like, we want to be part of the solution, whether or not like how effective it is, like the science on that. I'm not even getting into it, but like we, we're doing this as neighbors to people that we know and people that we don't know and being good citizens. That's the language that I, I that resonates with me. Yeah. Oh, we're being like good that. citizens. Nice. So what's like a takeaway that you can give us to think about just in terms of this whole idea of like what's going on with our kids right now and how this is potentially working out for their benefit? I know when we were talking. I don't earlier, have any big answers. I think I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, I am accepting that this is the new normal. And it's a really interesting call to be flexible because we just don't no, I don't know what the school year is going to look like. I don't try to harp on that with my kids, but in terms of making plans, like my son, it's we're recording this um, mid-May. He's like, well, what are we doing this summer? And I like, don't know. Do not know. We don't know what's going on in the world. So, you know, it's just, a, it starts to affect like how you spend your money, how um, you keep your relationships, you know, just, it just, it colors everything that's going on and can foster some better habits too. Because right. if you need to be flexible, I mean, if you, you know, I'm not the first person to suggest the tagline, like flexibility is the new wealth, but what do you need to be flexible, right? You need some resources, you need money, you need time, you need an open mind, you need to some emotional bandwidth because you might need to be making some ch- changes in your life mm-hmm. that you need support from you need emotional support practical support from people around you um you know like maybe you make a change and you need the support of your school system and your educators so do you have relationships with those people and shoring up those resources yeah these are the things that I'm, i'm thinking about yeah well i mean being being not knowing like being okay with not knowing how things are going to go is i think a huge piece of resilience and we haven't necessarily our kids haven't had an, an opportunity to really not know this many things. <laughs> like they've always known that school was going to come on Monday or what have you, or it was going to come next year. And like that, I think that's an important lesson that I hadn't really thought about. Like they're just getting acclimated to this. Like sometimes we just don't know what's going to happen. And hearing, but I think that is such a symbol of our wealth. I mean, that because mm-hmm. we are so secure. Mm-hmm. Have you, have you or your kids ever worried about their next meal? No not the next meal. No. I mean, that is unprecedented in history. Like worry that the winter food grain reserves are going to last the season is the essence of the human experience. And today in 2020 in the Western world, I mean, we have a couple hundred years where that has not been in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And it is remarkable. I mean, I was just having a conversation with some neighbors that came over and sat on the other side of the deck. And we're talking about, um, you know, vaccine resistors. And it's like, what is that? Where did that come from? And it's like, my grandma's 98 years old and she's still with us. And she remembers some schoolmates of hers that had polio Mm -hmm. that were physically disabled for their lifetimes. But we don't, for a couple of generations now, we don't have any memory of plague, of of infectious disease. 
And I wonder if the anti-vax movement could have, would have ever sprung up if people had personal memory of being afraid of an infectious disease. Right. And so when we're like, oh, things are, we have to be flexible because we don't know. It's like, humanity don't know like you're gonna your village could be wiped out by mudslide the tribe down the river could come and attack you your baby's gonna be eaten by a bear like this was the thing this was the essence of day-to-day life throughout humanity and now we're like i don't know if my kid's gonna go full day or half day next semester oh my gosh you know we can deal we can manage we got it right we gotta pull up our socks Also, hearing you talk makes me think when you were thinking about the support that you need, like letting your kids see you do what it takes to be able to be resilient, to get the support that you need. I mean, that's the most important way that we teach our kids, right? It's just through modeling and not even through anything that we directly say, whether or not they realize that they're picking up on it or not. But it's on us to be. They don't listen when we lecture, like just save a breath. Yeah, right. So it's on us to take care of ourselves and be resilient, model resilience, and they'll get it too. All right, Emma, thank you so much. Tell us where people can go connect with you if they want more of your fabulousness. Oh, well, wealthysinglemommy.com will send you where you need to go. Okay, fantastic. All right, thank you. Something I will forever associate with quarantine because it helped me sleep during this wacky time is my sleep mask from Manta Sleep. In the words of my 10-year-old son, this sleep mask is epic. It's made out of great materials like linen to keep you cool, soft plush to cushion your eyes and forehead, and a hook and eye closure to help you get the perfect fit with no long pieces of elastic that are going to get all stretched out. The Manta sleep mask is the cherry on top of your sleep sundae. And if you decide to get one, you can use the coupon code BETTER to save money. They make a great Father's Day gift, which, heads up, isn't all that far away. And what could be a better gift than better sleep? Go check them out at mantasleep.com. And don't forget to use the coupon code BETTER. Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han. K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you.